You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Oh, f- the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week, we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up for the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I am your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange, we're going to give you all kinds of cool bonus stuff and extra hours of the program behind a paywall. So if you pay at least five bucks, you get, what do you get here? You get like an hour to two hours of extra show a week. Extra extra show content. Yeah. High quality of the uh, podcast week. At, uh, uh, commercial free. Commercial free. Yep. 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 So, and if ten dollars a month, you get to watch the show live on video. Twenty five, you get a cool signed poster. A <laughs> uh, hundred dollars, you get to eventually come on the show. We've already made plans. Christy Avery's been on the show. I need to talk to Brandon Luke about coming on the show. I've already made plans with Craig DaCosta and Jason Doolittle about coming on. So mm-hmm. that'll be exciting. Uh, so please be warned, this show is raw, unedited, and authentic. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. With me is Harry Price. Hello. You also get a cool like um, uh, title, a role inside the Discord chat. The more you pay, the more I allow you to do inside the Discord. You self-promote the Discord and the Twitch channel more than the Boss Hog of Liberty promotes the Boss Hog of Liberty. You know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shameless self-promotion yeah. via the Abdul Hakim Shabazz School. Yeah. Just like, a, <laughs> yeah, because like the $100 a month, I give you a kick and ban ability inside the yeah, Discord. Yeah, you get to b- block people. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it. <laughs> yeah, get dangerous. But, you know, that's ability, you know, that I, I put up there to people who are really into the show, like big, you know, producers. They've got, you know, they've got, I'll give them some weight to throw around the Discord. 
So we have a fun show for you tonight. Uh, hopefully, I said, hey, we're not going to go real long tonight, uh, which means it's going to be a nine-hour show. Um, but I, I don't plan on being long-winded tonight. Got to save some for Thursday, everybody. Uh, when Creighton and Galt and I will be together probably for the last time as Creighton moves to New York City. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about the Nunez memo. We're going to talk about Lady Doritos. We're going to talk about gerrymandering in front of the Supreme Court. But first, we need to talk about Liberty Hangout. <clears throat> All right, so over the over, late last week, you started seeing. Uh, I want to start with libertarian clickbait. I really like. It's not just Liberty Hangout, uh, but because most of you have no idea what that is. Uh, but I'm going to enlighten you. So there's there's a lot of ways to do what I do, and there's a lot of ways to do libertarian media because. Libertarian media has no editorial standards. You're never going to get, you know, like Ben Swan's probably, he's coming back, by the way. He uh, partnered with Dashcoin and is relaunching his news network. Uh, Jason Stapleton, I think, does a really good job of breaking down the news, uh, even though he does a really good job of deleting my comments in his uh, Facebook group. But uh, we'll talk with Jason about that later. Uh, And he also calls me Springle. Chris Springle of We Are Libertarians, <laughs> which is funny, but I always love an, uh, a shout out from Jason. So Jason and I were kind of, I would say, in the in the world of libertarian is the libertarian movement. We're kind of the only guys doing news, straight news analysis. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people out there who have blogs and Facebook pages who do a lot of, you know, news and really kind of a lot of clickbaity stuff like. I think the Libertarian Vindicator does a fairly decent job of taking news and applying it to a libertarian audience. Uh, there's this this group of high school kids that have I apologize I think it's like seventy one something. They've got a they've got a website Jack News which mm-hmm. is uh, founded by the people that ran the Gary Johnson campaign which is why you always see very pro Gary bent. Um, you know and then and which then is okay yeah and. But, you know, like the Free Thought Project, we're starting to get into InfoWars territory. And then there's the Liberty Hangout, which is the scourge of all libertarian. Like, it's run by this kid named TJ. He's a college student and basically just pumps out pro-Trump stuff and says, I'm a libertarian, and then just repeats whatever, you know, it's MAGA, 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 MAGA mm-hmm. left and right. Uh, <laughs> even in December, and I've put up a poll, if you want to check out on our Facebook page, um, uh, a couple of his statements because I just think it's so funny. It's like you're you're redefining what libertarianism is to be pro-Trump. Uh, he tweeted, "If you don't love Donald Trump, you don't love liberty." You can vote in our poll, yes or no. Um, he also said, "Our agenda is very blunt. Our goal is to infiltrate libertarianism and make it right wing." That was in December twenty seventh of twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Your agenda is to infiltrate libertarianism and make us right wing. Well, I would say that if you're infiltrating something, you're not a part of something. So how do you know what libertarianism actually is? Correct. Yeah. So he he was uh, this kid, TJ, this little college student, uh, very young. Mm-hmm. He's trying. Yeah, he's getting his word out he's, there. He's, listen, he's, yeah. here's the thing about a lot of these libertarian sites. Six years ago, I was one of them. Now, I had, at that point, nine years of media and journalism behind me, mm-hmm. so I, I had some experience in doing stuff, but I've, over the years, tried a lot of different things. 
Um, I I think his it's Justin or TJ. It's he goes by both, but uh, mm-hmm. I only see him as TJ on Twitter. So I've tried a lot of different things to try and figure out what works best for we are libertarians, you know. And when I started this in 2013, when we started the blog, it was very much, what am I? Am I a political news analysis site? Am I a podcast with characters where we do comedy? Am I uh, libertarian leaning only? Am I only doing political, you know, analysis? Am I only doing pro libertarian propaganda? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And you have to go through a process of trying to figure out exactly what you what what works best for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, as evidenced by late last year, I mean, there's I'm continually trying to learn what I think best. And, and what what I have found and what the numbers have shown over the last. Um, you know, couple months especially, is that you guys want straight political analysis from a libertarian perspective. You want to know what does the news say, and what do I what what should what do you think about it to help me inform me on how I should think about it. And so, what I try to do is try to give you a balanced and fair view from uh, on all of these issues. Like we'll talk about the Nunez memo and. Every day I say stuff on Facebook and Twitter and and on this podcast that liberals and Republicans hate. Like people on the left, people on the right are always calling me a part of the other tribe, right? So, and I think that if you're a libertarian, you identify with that because you don't fit into that left-right paradigm and so you don't really fit. And that's why it's great to be a part of the We Are Libertarians community in the Facebook group or on the Discord or, you know, as part of the Patreon groups. You, You get your own community of people who have who think differently and don't necessarily fit even sometimes in libertarian circles mm-hmm. like i'll tell you what the people who are meanest to me mm-hmm. are people who are black and yellow profile pictures like the black yeah. and yellows mm-hmm. like the fight that i had on a on the league of liberty with roger paxton like that typifies every interaction at the end of the day that i've had with a lot of anarcho capitalists yep. people with gary pro gary johnson Twibbins in mm-hmm. their in their profile picture always nice people mm-hmm. nice nice people nice just trying to sell the message just trying to learn some stuff because mm-hmm. they're new to the libertarian movement those are mm-hmm. the people that I like uh, you know but so we're all kind of politically homeless we're all trying to figure out you know what does the news say what should libertarians think about it and I find that there are a lot of people who are still trying to fill their oats and some people are figuring out what works for them, and it's creating clickbait that gets headlines. And I think what you saw, as evidenced in that last episode, uh, where you know I, I basically said, okay, everybody is just saying that the Libertarian Party is not having Ron Paul come speak at the convention. Mm-hmm. I don't know a single Libertarian on the planet that doesn't like Ron Paul. <laughs> like Maybe I'm some black and yellows. I'm pro- no, but that's the funny thing is like the people who call me a dirty, filthy statist yeah. are the biggest Ron Paul fans. Like everybody loves Ron Paul. Even mm-hmm. the most hardcore libertarians, anarcho-capitalists don't want no government, mm-hmm. m- m- cryptocurrency. Yeah. Like join the Free State Project. All Ron Paul's great. I'm a li- <laughs> I love Ron Paul. You know what I mean? Like everybody loves Ron Paul. I know mm-hmm. Sam Goldstein, who was my former boss of the Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said. What is this? He said, it never happened. None of this is true. I said, okay. So I reached out to Daniel Hayes. Daniel Hayes and I had been talking for a period of three months Mm -hmm. about him coming on to talk about the Libertarian Convention. 
And to be honest, I kept kind of putting it off because that's like, I'm just going to have a guy on to talk about the Libertarian Party convention. Like, I just don't do that kind of blatant promotion. Right. Like, there, there's no news to that. There's no mm-hmm. angle to that that's interesting to the audience. It's like nothing that you couldn't get from a, just a simple Facebook post. Correct. Yeah. It's Yeah. To you, it seemed like the simplest Facebook post or just networking. Just network. It, right. For network's sake. Exactly right. You know, so that's why I don't do candidate interviews. It's like... I've had I've been asked to interview Larry Sharp several times and I've just not done it because what am what am I going to do with Larry Sharp that you haven't already heard on a hundred other libertarian podcasts? That'd be kind of cool to do with the uh, quadruple black episode. We'll get on the- <laughs> <laughs> you Abdul, the Darren, 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 yeah, you Darren Marion, yeah, yep. Uh, so it you could just run the board and we'll just right. have Abdul host. So. <laughs> So I see all this stuff happening where the Mises Caucus basically came out, and it's all detailed in the last episode, but to give you a brief example, I'm sure you've seen it, to give you a brief uh, rundown, the Mises Caucus, who is trying to run a full slate to replace everybody on the entire LNC with the exception of Carolyn Ann Harlos, I'm sorry I got your name wrong, I get everybody's name wrong, the the girl with the pink hair, the lady with the pink hair, who I like fine, Mm -hmm. I know she and I have a lot of disagreements on a lot of stuff, but... I find her to be a very honest broker, and I think she, um, I, I, I see people call her a nut job. I'm like, no, she's actually really reasonable. Like, she's, you know, very engaged, and she has a great Facebook page that teaches people how to get involved in the Libertarian Party. Like, she's a radical, and I'm like, I can get along with you. And she says, I can get along with you. Great. So they want to replace everybody, and Michael Heiss told me this in my phone conversation before. Uh, the interview with Daniel Hayes. Uh, he said, we want to replace every LNC member except for Carol Ann. Carol Ann. I said, okay. So he, Daniel basically gives him information that he then uses to for political opportunity, which, good on him, because it was a win. Everybody knows mm-hmm. who the Mises Caucus is now and who's right. in charge of it, and mm-hmm. you know they're going to go into the next election, into the next convention with actually a presence. Uh, so, you know, but they're very critical of the current leadership and they, Michael basically fed this storyline to several libertarian sites like Liberty Hangout, Free Thought Project, Reason eventually covered it, uh, the, the, the site that I couldn't remember, 71 something, they covered it and everybody starts sharing it. Glenn Beck shared it, (laughs) John, John McAfee shared it. Uh, you know, everybody was sharing this article that Ron Paul was disinvited to the Republican convention because mm-hmm. that's juicy. And like the narrative is that we're all supposed to hate the Libertarian Party and that it sucks. Well, I'm sorry. That's bullshit. There's a lot of good work that goes on in the Libertarian Party. There's a lot of good candidates in the Libertarian Party. There are a lot of good activists in the Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. And Nick Sarwark does a good job as chair in certain aspects. Arvin Vora has done a great job as vice chair in terms of turning around the social media. His personal social media is the problem. Right. But in terms of building up a Libertarian Party social media presence, he's done a good job at that. Mm -hmm. So it's not so black and white. And I know that it's easy for everybody just to shit on the Libertarian Party and to shit on Libertarian candidates and to shit on Libertarian activists, and it's bullshit. It's it's lazy. it's It's intellectually dishonest and as i i felt mike shipley uh this guy i follow on just some i follow like 
2,000 libertarians on Facebook. I'm friends with them. Two to 3,000 libertarians. So I don't know who anybody is. So Mike Shipley shares, let's be clear, character assassination, uh, let's be clear, character assassination by twisted half-truths is fraud initiated to achieve a political goal. And he's right. If you are writing a clickbait headline to try and push a false narrative, then you're committing fraud to achieve a political goal, and you're violating the very non-aggression principle, the mm -hmm. pledge that we all signed as Libertarian Party members. I agree with that. Yep. Okay? And we're all so quick to dismiss anything the the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, CNN, anything that they publish. Journalistic outposts that have actual editorial standards mm -hmm. and are governed by a culture of trying to get it right. We we won't share that. We'll sit there and go, "Oh, that's fake news," along with all of our Republican friends. Mm -hmm. But when a libertarian clickbait website shares some bullshit story that tickles our ears, we're we smash that share button so quick and we don't give a we don't give a damn about the consequences. And so what I decided to do was to interview Daniel Hayes, the guy who was at the center of the actual controversy. Cause I'm watching going, nobody's talking to this guy. Literally every single one of these outlets that has this uh salacious story, none of them have a quote from Nick Sarwark. None of them have a quote from Daniel Hayes. Mm -hmm. None of them apparently contacted Wes Benedict at the national office. Like, that to me says you're not a journalist. If you're not going and trying to at least find out what the other side says, you're ju you just have an agenda to, to push, right, which yeah. is bad journalism. And I, some of you I'm going to give a pass because you're high schoolers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're in the same place. I'm not unempathetic because I've been in that same place where you're like, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And or I'm, have the time. Right. I'm sitting here 15 years down the line going, okay, I, here's what I ought to do according to these standards that I have for myself, standards that the audience that I have, have cultivated expects from me, mm -hmm. and standards that I have learned from fellow journalists and media friends. So I, I don't expect everybody to have that kind of stuff. But then there's the Liberty Hangout TJs of the world mm -hmm. who have an actual agenda. Yeah. Those are the people I have no respect for. So if you see a Liberty Hangout article, just expect that it's going to be complete garbage, and I'll explain why here in a moment. But if you listen to the actual interview with the guy, it's, it's, it's not as simple as what everybody made it out to be. He said, I have no problem with Ron Paul coming to speak. I'm a libertarian because of Ron Paul. I do think that if the choice in speaking slots is between Ron Paul and Judge Napolitano, I'd rather have the judge because, A, I think he's going to be a bigger draw, and, and, and A, and B, he hasn't been writing articles shitting on the Libertarian Party for the last five years, which I can completely True. respect and yes. understand. You know, he has a point of view. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, he did in the interview at one point say... Yeah, I decided to move on from Ron Paul, and which was his right. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't ever a vote. Somebody said there was. There, it's spreading that there was a committee vote. There's not even a vote on the committee. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to the interview, it's just like I see every libertarian that I know on Facebook start sharing this story, you know, and I just go, 
Are any of you taking one second to use your brains? No. Like Daniel Hayes, Sam Goldstein is not a Ron Paul fan Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, he's a Republican and we've got to put libertarian candidates first. There's been a very uncomfortable tension between Ron Paul and the Libertarian Party for 10 years Mm -hmm. because Ron Paul, because A, Bob Barr is a piece of garbage and screwed Ron Paul over in 2008. And from then on, he just didn't want to support our candidates and actively like pushed people away from voting for Gary Johnson. And if you're on the National Libertarian Committee mm-hmm. and your job is as an elected representative of that party is to support your party's nominee and somebody's somebody who should be promoting a like-minded individual goes, eh, you shouldn't vote for them because I have a personal issue with that particular party. It's not the LNC member that has the issue. It's Ron Paul that has the issue. Right. And, like, we've taken the worship of Ron Paul to ridiculous levels in the libertarian movement. I like Ron Paul. Like, my politics are identical to Rand Paul. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I'm a libertarian because of Ron Paul. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the man is not a deity. Like, there are good things. Many, 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 98% of the things about Ron Paul are good, and they're 2% that are not good, and we should be free to say, mm, I disagree with him on this, without somebody going, you're not a libertarian. <laughs> like, go yeah. fuck yourself. Because <laughs> you shouldn't agree with somebody 100%. Ever. Ever. Yeah. I don't agree with me half <laughs> I disagree with, like, listen to this show. Mm-hmm. I disagree with myself half the time. So, I wake up this morning to a tweet from uh, Liberty Hangout. <laughs> Do-do-do. And... The page, We Are Libertarians, they write, which shilled for the LP when they banned Ron Paul from speaking, is now sharing content from socialists. Those clowns love socialists more than Ron Paul while maintaining their libertarians. What about that is true, Harry? Uh, I'm the We Are Libertarians part. Right, he got the name right. Got that right. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, the idea of shilling for the LP, like... The idea that you would support the Libertarian Party to this guy mm-hmm. is disgusting to him, which to a lot of our listeners it might be. To me, I'm plenty disgusted with the LP. We did a show called Tough Love for the LP. Like, I I vote li- majority Libertarian, but I wouldn't say I'm a shill for it. And you wouldn't shill for free either. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, like, if... I, I did an interview with Daniel Hayes because I felt sorry for him because of the things that people like Liberty Hangout were doing. When you have like this massive circle jerk of people who want something to be true instead of actually going, is this true? Right. I feel bad for the person who's getting their ass kicked for no reason because it's punching down. Like none of Nobody would sit there and have a conversation with Daniel Hayes. And I think if you listen, my interview wasn't shilling. I was, I was like pushing back on him going... So you said this earlier, mm-hmm. is this, like, what did you mean by that? Like, did you go mm-hmm. into the, the relationship with Michael Hayes with yep. a chip on your shoulder? Like, and I don't think that Daniel Hayes came out of that interview smelling like a rose. No. I think there are parts of that interview where he made himself look bad. Mm-hmm. Well, if I were a shell, I would have edited that stuff out. I would have done a puff piece. I would have, you know, just, I wouldn't have started the interview by reading the actual Mises Caucus article with the guy sitting right there listening to me trash him as I read the words of another person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just said to him, like, hey, I'm going to read this article that's very critical of you. I hope you're okay with that. And he said, no, that's fine. 
You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't. If he had said no, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I would have done it anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? Like, like cool, you could be on mute, <laughs> right? Then no, you don't get a chance to speak for yourself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, uh, Ron Paul was never banned from speaking. So you're continuing to lie, uh, and we're sharing content from socialists. That was true. I had no idea that Mike Shipley, which so he's on Liber. This is Elpedia. It looks like. Mike Shipley is a longtime libertarian activist and current secretary of the Arizona LP. Uh, he's into aerospace. He worked mm-hmm. for Move On in 2006, advocacy for LGBT. Okay, okay. Uh, in 2017, he also participated in founding the Libertarian Socialist Caucus, which gives voice to individualistic philosophies inspired by thinkers from minority left libertarian traditions, which predate the modern LP. He also chaired the reefer 2404 referendum campaign in arizona uh now liberty hangout for their part has tweeted out something along the lines of the uh the libertarian movement stands for property rights and not gays (laughs) is the way that i'll put it um clean that up didn't you but even if this guy is part of this whatever the socialist liberty like socialist means government control like i can understand that if you're a mutualist and like mm-hmm. you think the end goal of libertarian like the end of government equals communes yeah i can understand like my brain can process that but like government force being used in a libertarian way it's just not libertarian so i just don't quite get that but well, well it could be like a voluntary system like socialism would be fine if it was voluntary people could leave as they wanted to right. people could opt in it's fine cool you can do that over there you know you know, because they have private property rights. If they want right. to go out there, take over, I don't know, like a whole place in Wyoming and decide to make their little socialist haven, that's cool. Private sure. property rights. So we love socialists more than Ron Paul. Well, our biggest interview was with Ron Paul, 113,000 downloads. <laughs> I voted for Ron. Uh, Where you accosted him for an hour. <laughs> I voted for Ron Paul in 2008. Did you? Yeah, in the primary. Oh. So you're morons. So I've spent all day at the We Are Libertarians Twitter mm-hmm. trolling Liberty Hangout and with the We Are Libertarians Facebook page. I feel somewhat guilty. It's like when you're on a diet mm-hmm. and you eat, you fall off the wagon and eat three holiday cakes Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. in one sitting while Just watching The Crown. I'm not saying that I did that, but... <laughs> Chris Fitt's going to be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did I did cardio today, make up for it. Okay, that's good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So while, so while I stayed up all night studying, doing things, very productive things, you know, messing with different stuff, and fell asleep all morning long, you have got up and did a, you know, just started trolling all night. I've just been trolling. <sighs> and so I feel a little guilty, because I know I'm not supposed to do that stuff, but yeah. they make it too easy. Mm-hmm. The idea that you can share Mike Shipley's... Qu- post which nobody else in the world was saying mm-hmm. but was he was saying a true thing let's be clear character assassination by twisted half truths is fraud initiated to achieve a political goal 100 mm-hmm. percent true yeah i can agree with mike shipley's statement without agreeing with mike shipley's worldview correct and when a liberty hangout says these guys agree with their worldview and it got 20 retweets and it's comments all day long accusing me of being a left libertarian which oh my god like you just go okay now you're doing it to me you're just committing fraud against my person mm-hmm. so it's really like insidious and just i know that he doesn't know what that word means because 
anybody who engages in identity politics like this where you're just I can't refute what you're saying, so I'm just going to lump you in with a group of people that my followers don't like. Yes. Unless, you know, thank you to the We Are Libertarians listeners who tweeted back saying, I've listened for 100 episodes. Daniel tweeted back, I've listened to 100 episodes. You're just making stuff up. Reinhold had a great point. Like, mm-hmm. my point is, use your brain. And I know that this audience is exceptionally smart. I'm not talking to dumb people. I know that you listen to this show because you want to achieve higher thought like I want to achieve. One day I will achieve higher thinking Mm -hmm. than where I'm at now. But don't just share clickbait articles because the headline, it's from a libertarian outlet and you're a libertarian and the headline seems outrageous. And even if you click the Liberty Hangout article and read it, it was just half a screenshot and an entire story predicated on that. Like, there has to be some journalistic integrity. Part of my goal with the show is to get all of us, to get a group of libertarians thinking critically about the news Mm -hmm. so we can identify problems within our movement and within American politics and our communities. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge problem. When I see a massive amount of libertarians sharing a clickbait article because... Oh, it's from a libertarian-leaning outlet. It must be true yeah. because they're on my team. That's identity politics. That is the worst of what we see in other parties, and we have to be better than that. Mm-hmm. And if we're not going to be better than that, then we all might as well just play video games and quit, and we'll just change the name of this to we are not doing this show anymore because there's no point if everybody's just going to be a fucking idiot. I know that's an, a long title. <laughs> Super long title. Super long title. Shrink that down and <laughs> Right. But that's my point, is yeah. use your brain. When I first came aware of this article, was off of uh, Carla, I'm going to butcher her last name, Carla Garrick, former, <laughs> yeah, it's, Gar- it's Gar- South Africa, so I'm going to butcher her last name, but uh, uh, for the Free uh, Freezer for, uh, for Project, but uh, anyways, um, she posted a meme of it, uh, because I think she read it, talked to some more people on it, but she was morally talking about, hey, you know, if Ron Paul wants to be in, go to a libertarian convention, he needs to sign up and be a part of the member of the libertarian party. You know, either you can jo- you can join the team and you can speak, or you can not join the team and not speak. It's you know that's the way she saw it. It was very simple as that. Or from the so my main my first touch with this whole project was just from that one meme there, and I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, I was like, why are people memeing Ron Paul? You know. <laughs> What did Ron Paul do? You know, you know, what did he say? Because like, you know, with him being on the air all the time, OK, maybe he said something goofy. And it's like, oh, was, was he asked to, you know, did someone deny him the right to speak at the convention? And that's how I first got it. But just for the simple fact, someone said, like, no, if you want to if you want to come speak at the convention, you should you know, sign up to be a party member. Right. OK. Which that's the other thing, too, is like, hey, if you're going to come speak at the convention, shouldn't you be a party member? He is a party member. Is he? And Ron Paul and is Nick he? Starwark tweeted out like. Is he? Yeah, he is. He's a lifetime member. He joined, oh, yeah, that's right. He, he joined in 87. He yeah, paid with a gold yeah. coin, and he did that video. And got, like, honestly, there's a little, a little bit of me, me watching that video going, oh, I haven't seen Ron Paul speak in five, six years, and he's turned into Pat Robertson of the libertarian movement. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Now I'm just so, being petty. I shouldn't be mad at Ron, but I am a little mad at Ron because Ron unnecessarily stoked the fire mm-hmm. with that video. And it was pointless, mm-hmm. and it was dishonest, and he shouldn't have done it. Hey, 
Ron Paul makes mistakes. And, and it shows and, you. And Chris Galt goes, who are you to criticize Ron Paul? And I go, the fact that you think I shouldn't criticize Ron Paul says we all should criticize Ron Paul more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is my whole point. Like, I like Ron Paul. Mm. I agree with him a lot. Mm. But he's not libertarian deity status like the jesus you know how we have celebritarians yeah we've achieved a level of uh, deitarians ron paul and larry sharp and murray rothbard you just can't like criticize any of these people because they're deitarians now (laughs) excuse me (laughs) like we don't do identity politics we don't do cult of personality in the libertarian movement apparently we do because we're supposed to rise we're not Anyways, personally, like uh, I remember, I was listening to um, another podcast on the LRFM net- network. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. it happens after ten, after ten o'clock. Sorry, I can't remember the name of your podcast. I'm sorry, dude. But uh, and, and I commented like in this chat room, going like, "Hey, I just want Ron Paul just to retire from everything, move move into Keene next door to uh, Ian. I think those two sitting on a porch <laughs> talking that'd be the best show ever. <laughs> That's all I want. Ron Paul should keep doing his show. He's doing a good job. I just think he should, you know, just retire, get some tea, sit on the porch with Ian, and just talk. All right. He's done. He just needs to stop. Stop retire. He should keep doing his show. And if he doesn't want to, then send us his studio. All right. Thank you for uh, (laughs) listening to my rant. Uh, I just have been stewing all weekend long over this, and I'm very annoyed at Libertarians right now. So I had to get it off my chest. Uh, The memo was released. So we... We did the show, and at the end of the last show, we kind of touched on the memo and the meaning and gave you some context. What did I say we were doing next? You had to stop arguing on social media, which I thought would be a great segue. It would have been a great segue had I done it that way, but yeah. now we're doing, we're going to the memo. I'll get to that later. Uh, that's why I got to print that off and like follow it. Now, see, I'm I, 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 I'm worried about this ear zit. Why are you worried about an ear zit? Because... My friend told me last week about this Chinese zit map, mm. and apparently, like, if it's on your chin, it's hormones. If it's like around your eye, it's like some something in it. If you yeah. get zits in a certain place, then that's like that part of the body is failing. And I keep getting them on my ears, which is kidneys. Mm. And I I've been drinking nothing but cranberry juice ever since <laughs> because I'm worried about my kidneys now unnecessarily. And I put on my headphones tonight, and mm-hmm. I got I got I got a pain, <laughs> and now I have ear acne. So I'm pretty sure I'm dying. I, I don't think you are. You aggressively hydrate all the time, all the time, all the time, gallon and a half a day. Easy. So your your, your kidneys are incredibly flush. You don't have to worry about kidney stones stuff like that. Uh, I think the main reason you probably have pimples and stuff on your uh, ear is probably because you wear headphones all the time. Yeah, every day. Every day, every day, you do it for your job. You do it when you get home here for your other gym, job. You know, yeah, and the and the gym. You do over ear headphones for gym. Absolutely. Oh yeah, so you're sweating on there. You're, so you're just clogging your pores up there. Okay. All and right. I, I don't like believing those Chinese maps too because I get like pimples on like on my chest. Right. And everyone's like, oh, that's you know, I said build up an estrogen. I'm like, you know, much tea I have. Okay. <laughs> build up of estrogen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to the memo. Uh, now that I my existential crisis is over, yeah. Uh, so the memo got released. Uh, the memo was here's the deal. The memo says whatever political party you came from said wanted you to think. <laughs> so it was it the <clears throat> like initially the reporting on it was like wow, but the more you kind of sit and, and and think about it, you go okay, this wasn't as much of the bombshell as you thought it was going to be. 
And uh, as we go through this, we'll ex- I'll explain why. So The FBI and DOJ obtained one initial FISA warrant targeting well, Carter Page. Well, here's the thing. This memo comes from a House Republican, yes. and uh, we're going to detail where he got some of his information. But Devin Nunez is part of an oversight committee of the DOJ FBI. And uh, Trey Gowdy was the one that went in and actually read the FISA memo because only one House member could go in and read it. So Devin Nunez didn't even actually read the FISA memo. So he then, he and his staff and Trey Gowdy put the, together this memo. Mm-hmm. And what you have to understand is it's a partisan memo. It's partisans who are very close to the White House wrote this memo. And so is it gospel? No, anything that is hyperpartisan is not gospel. Now the Democrats and Adam Schiff have a memo of their own, and then there's supposedly a third memo, and now we're just stuck in memo land. And the truth is the FISA warrant that surrounds all of this Trump could just release it, and we could all read for ourselves. But this is an an interesting moment where you have the the House Oversight Committee basically leaking classified information, Edward Snowden style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're getting approval from the president because remember when you take the oath of office, you're granted special magical powers Ooh. that give you the ability to do things that Edward Snowden didn't have the ability to do, mm-hmm. uh, and. The the memo was cleared by the White House, and uh, this one particular section allowed them to release it. So this is from Byron York in the Washington Examiner. House Intelligence Memo released what it says. He got an advanced copy along with Fox News, uh, but it was the best summation of what was in it. Uh, the House Intelligence Committee released the memo. Here are the key points. The Steele dossier. Now, remember, the Steele dossier is the the P-gate doc. Like, remember the thing that was released in BuzzFeed and CNN put it out to mm-hmm. way back in January of last year, and it was, you know, documenting by this British spy, Christopher Steele, who worked for the MI, MI6, the British CIA, essentially, and he worked as a, a, Brit, a, a Russian intelligence analyst, and uh, he now went to work he he just hoards out his services, basically his expertise to put together dossiers. So Steele uh, worked with this company called Fusion GPS. Now Fusion GPS was hired. It's formed. Fusion GPS is formed by former Wall Street Journal reporters, and they do opposition research. And so you hire this firm, and they go and dig up dirt on you or your opponent. And this blog this uh one blog in uh washington dc i think it i don't think it was the examiner but um the free beacon the free beacon hired them to do oppo research on all the republican candidates and when trump got the nomination they stopped funding it then hillary through a law firm coy perkins hired fusion gps to continue doing all of the research now when so Fusion GPS then hires this British spy, Christopher Steele, to put together this research. Mm-hmm. And he is paid through Clinton money. Now, he eventually ends up having a conversation with Bruce Orr at the DOJ. Bruce Orr is the number four man at the DOJ. Bruce Orr's wife, I think it's Nancy Orr was her name, worked for Fusion GPS. <laughs> so... You have Steele meeting with, uh, I think he met with Andrew McCabe uh, at one point. He met with Bruce Orr at the DOJ and the FBI. 
and he was working for Bruce Orr's wife at Fusion GPS as they put together this dossier. So you've got some weird tangential connections, you know, a lot of, you know, what I, what I really think about the whole Russian thing on both sides, when it comes to the Clinton Foundation, when it comes to the Trump-Russian stuff, when mm -hmm. it comes to what's going, what we're learning about the DOJ and the FBI, what you are seeing for the first time is how American politics actually works. That's what should freak you out. It isn't a partisan thing mm -hmm. because it's happening on all sides, cool. right? This is how American politics works. You're dealing with a very small group of people who live in the same worlds, mm -hmm. and they have a certain set of groupthink, and that's the problem. Yeah, and they like to hire their wives, their cousins, their friends. Fr friends, and family yeah. members. So, like when people outside of it, you freak out. Like um, I think somebody like at Ron Paul's like, look how much he paid his family members. It's like, well, yeah, you, you know, who can you really trust when you're that you know that high <laughs> right. up? Or if you. You know, you're gonna. How many people have gotten their, you know, their family members and jobs of companies that they do do business right. with? You know, like, hey, you know, I sold this company like, you know, fifty tons of salt. You know, can you, you know, you pick up my cousin? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, salt company. So bring up salt because the discourse. We 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 dish out the salt. So so here's what the, is in this memo. So the Steele dossier gets floated around Washington D.C. for a long time. You know, John McCain finally gets uh, a copy of it, and he gives it to the FBI. Little does he know that they've been par participating in the putting together of this dossier, mm -hmm. but he's very troubled by it. So McCain takes it to Andrew McCabe at the at the FBI and gives a copy to Comey, and uh, you'll see how small the circle is. So the Steele dossier formed an essential part of the initial and all three renewal FISA applications against Carter Page. Now Carter Page is a a person who let, let me just jump to uh, who is Carter Page. So this is from a Vox article called "The Nine Biggest Questions About the Nunez Memo Answered," which I thought was a very good breakdown. And obviously, being a Republican memo, I wanted to go to Vox, which is a left leaning site, and see what they had to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and so here's what they say about Carter Page. Um, if I can find my place. Uh, Shuffle the papers, boy, that helps. Uh, should I say duddle up, duddle up, duddle up while I do this? Uh, <laughs> all right. Man, I'm just a mess. See, so you talk. You can uh, use the disc, the Trello board, so when you want to jump to different things like that, you can tell it to click and do different... Shut up, Harry. All right, so number number two, what does the Nunez memo allege? Uh, memo focuses on Carter Page, a Trump campaign foreign policy advisor with business ties to Russia and open sympathies with the Kremlin's foreign policy. The key allegation is that the surveillance of Page was improperly authorized and potentially politically motivated. In July 2016, while advising the Trump campaign, Page flew to Moscow and met with Russian officials. This raised eyebrows among U.S. intelligence officers, to say the least. So the FBI and DOJ put together an application to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA court, a court that approves surveillance warrants pertaining to national security and foreign intelligence to start watching Page. The court granted the application. So what you have to remember is this timeline is, you know, the Obama administration is in place and the entire uh, Ukraine crisis is happening in the background. And here's a guy who has business ties to Russia and is, you know, doing the Washington 
circuit of think tanks mm-hmm. praising the Kremlin, and they're like, all right, what's up with this guy? And then he gets attached to the presidential campaign of Donald Trump. So uh, Andrew McCabe confirmed now three renewals because each renewal is only for 90 days, right? So they can they're sunsetted at 90 days, and if you want another FISA warrant to monitor the communications of a person, you have to go back and get another warrant. Andrew McCabe confirmed that no FISA warrant would have been sought from the FISA court without the Steele dossier information. The four FISA surveillance applications were signed by, in various combinations, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Sally Yates, Dana Boente, and Rod Rosenstein. Now, Sally Yates was the person who, uh, when um, Sally Yates worked at the DOJ... And Dana Boente, I think, is also at the uh, at the DOJ. Um, <clears throat> I know less about them, to be quite honest. Rod Rosenstein, uh, basically the second in command at the DOJ after Sessions. James Comey, former FBI director. Andrew McCabe, the exited second in command at the uh, FBI. Uh, Andrew McCabe, again, remember that name? That name, he, he was the guy who, uh, when his wife was running for a state house seat in Virginia while Terry McAuliffe was governor, was given $600,000 by the McAuliffe uh, campaign fu- like fundraising arm. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, and I'm sure none of this is related, Terry McAuliffe uh, was the chief fundraiser for the Clintons when they were in the White House. Huge, huge supporter of the Clintons, big friend, great friend. Former DNC chair when Clinton was in the White House. Uh, I am sure that that payment to her campaign while her husband was investigating Hillary Clinton had nothing, had no influence on her whatsoever. The FBI authorized payments to Steele for work on the dossier. The FBI terminated, terminated its agreement with Steele in late October when it learned by reading an article in Mother Jones that Steele was talking to the media. So Steele had gone and, and leaked when he didn't feel the FBI was taking him seriously enough. Steele basically did interviews with Yahoo News mm-hmm. and the Mother Jones and put out the information that he was finding. Uh, the political or- origins of the Steele dossier were known to senior DOJ and FBI officials, but excluded from the FISA applications. So you have this dossier funded by political, both Republican and Democratic operations, mm-hmm. and it is the it is one of the key components of the FISA application to spy on an American citizen, and they don't tell the FISA judge that it was paid for by political arms. DOJ official Bruce Orr met with Steele beginning of summer 2016 and delayed to DOJ information about Steele's bias. Steele told Orr that he, Steele, was desperate that Donald Trump not get elected president and was passionate about him not becoming president. So the guy who wrote the memo that <laughs> put together this opposition research mm-hmm. was, quote-unquote, desperate that Donald Trump not get elected president and passionate about him not becoming president. Ooh, that's a dangerous and, combination. And he told that to the head of the Department of Justice. Or not the head, the f- number four yeah. man at the Department of Justice in charge of this. The FBI and Justice Department mounted a months-long effort to keep the information outlined in the memo out of the House Intelligence Committee's hands. Only the threat of contempt charges and other forms of pressure forced FBI and Justice to give up the material. Once Intelligence Committee leaders and staff compiled some of that information into the memo, the FBI and Justice Department, supported by Capitol Hill Democrats, 
mounted a ferocious campaign of opposition, saying the release of the memo would endanger national security and the rule of law. So they said a lot of really stupid stuff, like, you know, Adam Schiff is still going out and saying no one will ever share information about uh, domestic terrorists because they feel that if they give their information to FBI, then it'll just hit the House and the House will leak it and it will be politicized. And it's just patently ridiculous. Correct. And any Democrat that said that this would endanger national security is an idiot mm -hmm. because nothing in here is anything that we already didn't suspect and really kind of didn't know, except for the fact that the Steele dossier was an essential part of the initial and all three renewal of the FISA applications. Carter Page is the first American that we know of to be char targeted by FISA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> secret court. While, while he's a secret court, while he's probably still being targeted. So, right. Uh, now, he doesn't have the right to go to the FISA court and give counterintelligence. That's mm -hmm. the part about this that is so egregious. Carter Page is under investigation, and he's not notified that he's under investigation. Mm -hmm. he's, he has no defense in this court to say none of these allegations are true. This Christopher Steele guy, upon discovery, it would be found out that he told a government official that he was passionate about Donald Trump not being president. You know, there's no defense that Carter Page has to give in the FISA court because he didn't know any of this was happening. Right, yeah. And it goes for 90 days, and then they can renew it. But, of course, in that 90 days' time, they have to find something else new. But with that type of warrant, you know, wiretapping everything, they're going to find something right. to keep it going. So that's that's what we're looking at. Uh, it's not the sum total. Yeah, and using a spy apparatus, which 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 everyone has always feared, being targeted and sent to U U.S. citizens for the small, crappy offenses, is being shown like, hey, it probably is happening more than we like to, right. like to admit. So that's that's the gist. All right. So let's dive a little deeper in with uh, this Vox article. Because like especially how weak sauce it was to, to have it to go after him. <laughs> right. It's kind of weak. So who is Devin Nunez? Devin Nunez is the chair of the House Intelligence Committee and a longtime Trump ally. He served on the transition team after the election and defended Michael Flynn. Um, let's see. Uh, Aaron Blake, The Washington Post wrote, Nunez seems to go out of its way to defend Trump in a way few others did. Uh, let's see. Basically, when Trump said that Trump Tower was... <laughs> here's the hilarity of Vox. <laughs> listen to this paragraph. In the context of the conversation that we're having, listen, listen to this paragraph. Perhaps the clearest example arose after Trump tweeted in March that President Obama had wiretapped Trump Tower during the 2016 presidential campaign. The heads of both the NSA and the FBI categorically denied that any such wiretapping had occurred, but Nunez quickly came to Trump's defense, holding a press conference and saying that the intelligence community inc incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involving the Trump transition. They are positioning Devin Nunez as a moron for saying the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. He's right. <laughs> like, he's not a moron. Your article that you're writing proves that he was right. Mm -hmm. Yes, Donald Trump said wiretapping. That is different than what happened to Carter Page. Sort of. But so, Donald yeah. Trump doesn't have the sophistication to know the difference. Yeah. 
Uh, these people. The, the and last... it goes to show more that you know Donald Trump's still stuck in the eighties. But yeah, yeah, but... right. I, I don't. Uh, as much as like, uh, yeah. I don't. It's... I don't want to be. I just look at it and I go. I don't want to praise Republicans because I don't like Republicans. Mm-hmm. But these people make me look at Republicans and feel sorry for them. <laughs> right. Like this article is basically saying. Devin Nunez was right, and you're writing he's wrong. It's just, you're basically, it's doublespeak. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we covered what the uh, memo alleges. Well, that's gonna, it's gonna, probably going to be like that for like another year and a half as all these leftists, like, you know, pieces, you know, their organizations, they've been unchecked for eight years. So Right. Yeah. It's uh, Julian Sanchez, an expert in surveillance at the Libertarian Cato Institute, writes, if, they're ev- if this is their evidence of worse than Watergate, it's thin. This reads like something you'd put together to sound scandalous to someone who isn't going to parse it closely. And on that, I agree. That's mm-hmm. why I'm not blown away by this, because this is all kind of stuff that we knew. And it just makes you go, okay, what's up with Carter Page? Mm-hmm. Because Carter Page was being surveilled as far back as 2013 mm-hmm. when Donald Trump wasn't running for president. So... If the Republicans and the and conservatives are going to pin this conspiracy on Carter Page being an honest guy, mm-hmm. that's probably not a good case for you to make. Right. To be quite honest. Um, Man, yeah, it does make you wonder. Yeah, exactly. Um, because the, 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 the here, here's what it, it, for me what it comes down to is that there's problems at the DOJ. There's problems with all of this. Mm-hmm. And all of this needs to be looked into. But remember, our, our rule of thumb when it comes to conspiracies is never a tribute to uh, intelligence, what stupidity yeah, oh yeah. will we'll actually cure. Like, we, we as libertarians are so quick to jump on this is a government conspiracy bandwagon. This doesn't necessarily say that they were out to get Trump. Like, the, the very words of Peter Strzok, when he texted out saying... You know, there's not much there there in this investigation. I don't know what Mueller's. He basically said, "I don't know what Mueller is going to get out of this because there doesn't seem like there's a case here." Mm-hmm. So he, there isn't a follow-up text that says, "We so we should manufacture that evidence." Yeah, they didn't say that. What he's basically saying is, we shouldn't even bother with this. Uh, so you you look at it and you go, "There's some serious issues with a lot of this." Mm-hmm. I wanted them to look into the Russia thing to make sure that there was no collusion between Trump and Russia. There wasn't. I'm convinced at this point that they were too incompetent to collude with Russia. Yeah. It is true that Russia hacked the DNC and gave the that information to WikiLeaks to help keep Hillary Clinton out of the White House. As Denzel Washington said, the, the security state would be locked in, guaranteed, done deal, and we'd be at war with Russia if Hillary Clinton were elected president. And that was finally a celebrity said something I agree with. Yeah, he's right about that. Yes. So Russia wanted to make sure that Trump got in and Hillary didn't. Again, it's not all about Trump. It's about Hillary. That's what all of this stuff is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like you look at this and you go, okay, the Nunez memo and everything we're learning out of the House Oversight Committee is that there were serious problems in the Hillary investigation on her emails. Mm-hmm. In that she got to bring a lawyer with her, and she wasn't sworn in, and have a nice day, Mrs. Clinton. I know that you and Huma lied to us, but we're not going to charge you, and we're going to change the language so you know you can continue to run for president, because we think you're going to win, and we want to keep our phony baloney jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, and then and then she has the audacity to blame Comey and her book for her losing when it's like it was your fault in the beginning for not following the law well, she and was, protecting American secrets with she, your servers. She shouldn't have won the primary. D- D- Petraeus has a misdemeanor and I'd probably a felony, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, for leaking national s- s- secrets in the same way. He leaked national secrets to the woman he was having sex with. He got charged. Mm-hmm. He went to court. Hillary Clinton didn't. So Billions of difference. Then the very same people start to investigate Donald Trump, and they're, man, they're hardcore after him. Mm-hmm. And oh. everybody, you know, Peter, Michael Flynn did the same thing Huma Abedin did. He got charged. Mm-hmm. So there's a double standard here that's a real problem, and we need to figure out who was part of this double standard and why. But it doesn't, necessar- it doesn't necessarily mean that there was uh, the, the deep state trying to overthrow the Trump presidency. Is it possible? Absolutely possible. Do we know that at this point? No. Yeah. Should we investigate this? Absolutely. Yeah. Just as we should have investigated the Russian situation a year ago. Well, that yeah, and it goes off to like uh, what um, uh, Glenn Greenwald wrote in the Intercept about like the whole double standards on the on due process and civil and also civil liberty pri- privacies that the American people are always right with um, double standards and how they want one thing, how they want privacy for one thing, but but the moment it irks them and stuff like that, like he outlined, like when. Uh, Americans was okay with all kinds of scrutiny when there was just supposed to be brown Muslim people that they didn't like from other countries. But the moment the TSA started going after them, now they're privacy advocates. Now they right. want to do something like that. Um, they want um, they're fine with not due process when it comes to like the Me Too process. They like that. Like the, they some of them like the public lynching, but once it hits someone they like, now they want due process. Now they want everything go down through a certain process when it finally hits at home with them. Um, like I said, yeah, the Glenn, uh, Glenn Rewells wrote an ar- amazing article uh, in an intercept called the Nunes Memos. Katie Rolfe article shows how concerns for due process and civil liberties are highly selective and self-centered. Yeah, so and we will put all this in the show notes. So you, the, trust me, the show notes, the show links. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be so many, too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend an hour tomorrow just clicking the link button. Uh, <laughs> okay, so so yeah, uh, why did House Republicans want to release this memo? Um, Republicans said it's because it outlines surveillance abuses the American people needed to know about. Uh, Let's have a great debate about its consequences and the opportunity it presents to make things better so these things never happen again, Rep. Matt Gates said in January 30th. But experts on the FISA system, even civil libertarians critical of the way law enforcement uses it, notes that these Republicans aren't promising any changes to how FISA works or even suggesting that the system in general needs to reform to stop any future abuses. There's a conspicuous lack of interest in drawing any policy conclusions from what they purportedly consider a major institutional scandal. Uh, In fact, the 12 people on the committee, the Republicans on the committee, all voted to renew Section 702, not even a month ago. So they're... they're, At least they're consistent. (laughs) Right. They're consistently partisan is what they are. Yeah. So, so yeah, this this is... There's there's some smoke here. Mm Mm-hmm. But it isn't the the slam dunk that the two weeks of teasing and listen, Devin Nunez, PR genius. He went to every single conservative media outlet, big personality, got them to start the release of the memo hashtag, mm-hmm. build a lot of anticipation for this memo. 
Uh, it was like the Super Bowl the day that it got released. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was bigger than the jerk when the phone books arrived. The phone books are here. The phone books are here. Like it, it, he did a great job. Not not memo two with the Democrats. Adam Schiff not going to be able to sell it like Devin Nunez, but uh, it certainly was not the the big uh, smoking gun that we all thought it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's never go- it's never is really when they, especially yeah. if they hype it up like that. Usually, the smoking guns will get released on a Friday night quietly, right? <laughs> because kings don't kill kings. Yeah. So let's let's dive in and talk about Carter Page a little bit because you're going to hear that name a lot from here on out. And l- let me say before we jump into Carl, uh, Carl. Uh, Carter, the the Mueller investigation. Some say that this was about hurting the Mueller investigation. Nothing in this memo was the Mueller had nothing to do with any of this. It's it's not going mentioned. No, nah, I don't. I don't remember. Um, I mean, like, but it was mostly files. about the fight. It was mostly about FISA collection. Yeah, you know, and that's why it seems disingenuous. Is that if your goal is to fight the security state, and then you offer no solutions on fixing the security state, and thirty days ago you voted to keep it the way that it is, and like Section seven hundred two wasn't used for this particular instance, but it it's part of the same system that they would use. Uh, it it just seems disingenuous and political. Mm-hmm. And hyperpartisan, but the Mueller investigation was not even really a part of this. None of this happened when Mueller was even appointed. Mueller was working at a law firm when all this was going on. Uh, and you know, I will say this: Mueller, uh, out of all of these characters, he seems to be the only decent one. <laughs> like, if there is such a thing as uh, a decent member of the "quote unquote" deep state. Yeah. Robert Mueller might be it. He seems like a very honest man, and by all accounts, left, right, center, everybody seems to say Robert Mueller is an upstanding guy, mm-hmm. former head of the FBI during the Iraq War, uh, so obviously libertarians would have a problem with his judgment. Um, so, Which is okay. Right. And, you know, when things cropped up, like the text messages, he promptly fired people. Right. Which, so yeah, so his, his personal conduct... The only way that Robert Mueller can get fired is if Rod Rosenstein fires him. Mm-hmm. And Rod Rosenstein is not going to fire him because he's given him no cause to fire him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, you were yeah. about to say something? I was just going to say, like, uh, the, the, the whole, like, the, the whole document's losing thing on that. And the I think the great thing about it, that heads did roll. If heads didn't, that'd be an issue. That's the issue. Right. That, that shows to, like, a... That shows that they did. Someone found a cover up and hit rolled heads, or found that like either you're covering something up or you're just too incompetent to keep on board. Right. So you have out of fifty thousand text messages over six months between two people, mm-hmm. you have you've seen we've presented the smoking gun evidence to you where you know we need to do something, mm-hmm. the secret society joke. Like there's, you you think there'd be be more planning, but if there, <laughs> you know, certainly is a lot of you know probably hentai being passed around between the two of these. Correct, yes, yeah, because they had an affair, so there's probably a lot of nudie pics. Uh, absolutely, it's probably a sexting weekend, um, you know, because I can I can shoot out like ten thousand sexting photos <laughs> quickly. So, but I think in in my mind, you look at it and you go, okay, did did uh, this small group of people within the DOJ with a lot of power. Did they try to overthrow the Trump election? I don't think so, but I sure as heck think that we ought to investigate and find out. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not sure. I don't think anybody else is sure. And if they did do it, it's very, very bad if they did. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, but 
in all of this stuff that just keeps coming out about all this, it is it just it it has the appearance of being nefarious. And you can take one little thing, just like Liberty Hangout did to did to us today. You can take one little thing and you can write a clickbait story and you can make it look nefarious and you can blow it up into a bigger deal than it really is. Mm-hmm. And people will believe you. But when it just kind of is a consistent drip of things happening, I'm starting to look at it and go, I want to know. I think everybody else should want to know, and I think that if you're going to apply the standard of, well, there's flimsy evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians, but we got to get to the bottom with of it, then if you're an intellectually honest person and you don't want to be hypocritical, you should say, I think there's something here and maybe we should take a look at this too. So w- what's the problem with having some transparency? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Because when most Americans are looking at this going, uh, they got Iraq wrong, mm-hmm. they they have lied to Congress about what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Several different times. Several different times. And now this is all going on. I don't necessarily trust the Bureau. I don't trust the CIA. I don't trust the NSA. I think that it's important for our demo- for our republic, for our democracy, for us to take a look at this and 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 see what's going on, root out bad actors if there are some. Mm-hmm. It seems perfectly reasonable to me. Oh yeah, root out the bad actors, and there's also a good way to segue to get people into like even thinking about different things about liberty. That person that just has probably never ever thought about any that's been hardcore Dem or hardcore Republican, you know. This is the good way to show them, like, hey, maybe the state has too much power in this aspect. Yep. And I think that's a, an investigation would be a great way to start that conversation. Mm-hmm. So Carter Page uh, was the first name when on March 21st, 2016. You remember when and we talked about this. Uh, I even remember, uh, w- you know, when I was I was really just flailing against Trump in March, April of 2016, I was like, I just don't think this guy, he basically has turned out to be, I was right. Uh, and I just remember like the story popping up, like everybody collectively went, who's advising this guy on foreign policy? Cause we know he knows nothing. And that story started to build and he listed off a few names. And the first name that he listed off on March 21st was, uh, Carter page. He listed George Papadopoulos. Um, <laughs> I remember Greg reading the names and going, yeah, he's got a great team. This Carter Page, like, I didn't pull the audio, but I bet if you go back and listen, <laughs> he mentions it's Carter Page. Um, Carter Page, Ph.D. Explains why he was with Watchmen 2013. If you're studying a lot of foreign policies and stuff like that, that yeah. means you've got it. Your IP address is hitting a lot of bad sites. <laughs> um, so Bloomberg did a profile uh, on Page. Page had a whole lot of experience doing business in Russia, and this is from the Vox article, Carter Page, the star of the Nunez memo, explained. Uh, the Vox, Vox continues, he, was far, he had far more positive views of Putin's regime than most Americans, and he wasn't a fan of the U.S. sanction on Russia. After growing up in New York and spending a few years in the Navy in the 90s, Page completed a few graduate degrees in international relations and business. Then for most of the 2000s, he worked at the investment banking firm Merrill Lynch, focusing on Russia and Eastern Europe. His work led him to move to Moscow from 04 to 07, and it entailed advising Gazprom, the majority Russian state-owned oil firm, on deals. Gee, where have we heard Gazprom? Gazprom. 
podcast. But Rose Adam. I'm just going to just get here on Hillary the Clinton. Hillary okay. Clinton WikiLeaks real <laughs> right. quick. I just need no reason. <laughs> Soon afterward, he moved back to the U.S., left Merrill, and went into business for himself, advising investors on Russia-related projects. Through all this, Page didn't have a particularly high public profile until out of nowhere, Trump dropped his name. Miter quoted a... Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, Miter quoted a former mayoral executive who worked with Page in Russia, professing shock at his high-profile new gig. I could not imagine Carter as an advisor on foreign policy, the former executive Sergei Alashenko said. It's really surprising. I think anybody associated with Donald Trump at any point has been surprising. <laughs> um, so why was this rando on Trump's foreign policy team, they ask? If we think hard enough, we can remember a time before Trump was president and the undisputed commander of the GOP. Back then, he was a disreputable outsider whose campaign faced fierce opposition from the party. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, his aides decided that as the part of the task entailed putting together something they called a former policy team the sam the that fell to sam clovis who was a conservative talk radio show host and an evangelical activist from iowa um so clovis reached out uh to ed cox the new york chair in late 2015 asked to be put in touch and uh they they claimed the main reason they took page was that they were talking to anyone with a pulse as a campaign official put it in the washington post last year indeed his task was surely complicated by the few in respectable GOP foreign policy circles were willing to talk to Trump at that point. And it's true. Remember back in, in early 2016, he had he didn't have the nomination. Everybody was hoping he wouldn't get the nomination. He was even more hated than he is now. Now Republicans are going, ah, he's not so bad. That tax cut. I got an, ex I got an extra 60 bucks in my paycheck. So I like it. Um... So what did he actually do to hear some in Trump's orbit say nothing? <laughs> so Mr. Page is not an advisor and has made no contribution to the campaign, Jason Miller said in 2016. He's never been a campaign, part of the campaign, period. Alrighty. Um, however, emails and documents made public uh, in connection with his testimony say he was in regular contact with several campaign foreign policy advisors in the, pre in the summer of 2016. Uh, J.D. Gordon and Waleed Ferries. Waleed Ferries is probably a name you've heard. He's constantly on conservative talk show host, uh, radio show host programs talking about Islam and Israel and Russia and uh, and Syria. Um, so so it, it's kind of like the Papadopoulos thing. Like he basically, uh, they found somebody who had a Ph.D. next to his name and had some credentials they put him on the team. They had some cursory conversations with him, but they were so disorganized that he had no significant contribution. It seems like four people at any given time had any contribution to that stupid campaign. I don't mm. know how. I don't know how Donald Trump won. Like the more, <laughs> the more that you like. Oh, he broke every rule <laughs> on and, any of this. So yeah, I, and, I don't know. Well, like because some of the other campaigns, one didn't have the money, didn't have the early money because right. Uh, to be honest, like when Bush first got in, you know, Bush sucked up a lot of fundraising cash, and when he dropped off, he took a lot of cash with him. Right. You know, and but I'm not going to sit here and like rehash that 
2016. Right. So in July 20, July 19, 2016, Steele filed a report for what became known as his dossier, and it focused on Carter Page's Russia trip. Uh, that page had met with Igor Sechin, the CEO of Rosensoft, uh, the majority Russian government-owned oil company, and discussed lifting U.S. sanctions. That page also met with Igor Daikin, uh, a Russian intelligence official, and discussed Russian compromat on Clinton and Trump. Uh, Steele also said in his dossier that when Page allegedly met with Sechin, the oil executive had offered Page and Trump's associates, associates the brokerage of up to 19% privatized stake in Rosensoft in return for lifting sanctions, and that Page expressed interest and confirmed that Trump would lift sanctions if he won. Uh, so nobody has confirmed any of that stuff in the Steele dossier, but that was what was in that 2016 uh, trip to Russia section, and that allegedly is what was put into the FISA memo to get him spying on. We don't know for sure because we don't have the magical powers to read classified information, Harry. No, no, no. no. But it, sometimes they're sprinkled by the WikiLeaks fairy and then give us things. Yeah. So why did they look into him as back, but way back in 2013? Uh, the Bureau was looking into a su- suspected Russian spy ring and learned that one of their suspects, Victor Pabanobody, <laughs> P- Sounds like a real name. P-O-D-O-B-N-Y-Y. So I just said Pabanobody. Uh, if you're looking for a Russian spy, Victor Pada Nobody, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> greatest fake name in all of Russian history, uh, had met with Page in hopes of finding a potential recruit. In fact, Pada Nobody was caught on wiretap discussing Page. He writes to me in Russian to practice the language. He flies to Moscow more often than I do. He got hooked on Gazprom, thinking that if they have a project, he could be he could rise up. Maybe he can. I don't know. But it's obvious that he wants to learn. He wants to learn lots of money, earn lots of money. I will feed him empty promises. You will promise a favor for favor. You get the documents from him and will tell him to go fuck himself. Pada nobody <laughs> said one more thing about Paige. I think he is an idiot. So that is why they started spying on Pada, uh, on Carter Page. So uh, there was another thing that Christopher Steele basically wrote uh, that... He basically hates Donald Trump. So enough of this. Had enough of that. <laughs> uh, you know it's what? I'm gonna. Um, we're getting close on time. I don't want to mm-hmm. do another five-hour episode, and uh, I, I want to give gerrymandering and the Supreme Court case its due. So we'll probably do that Thursday. The the uh, the court case that is before the Supreme Court is really interesting. And uh, really could have a great, great benefit to American politics. So I think I'm just going to keep that for Thursday. So I know that I promised that in the beginning of the show, but you will get it. It will just be on uh, Thursday or Friday, whichever you get. Uh, So in the meantime, Lady Doritos. I don't know. Do you want to do Lady Doritos or do you want to do Facebook Arguments? Um, let's do uh, Lady Doritos because Facebook arguments seem more of a low key wall thing. Other okay. you know, Lady Doritos is too low brow now for the Facebook. <laughs> for for your little show. <laughs> All right, so Facebook arguments it is. Uh, so I saw this ar- article on Inc. dot com, uh, and it's you should never ever argue with anyone on Facebook according to science. 
Uh, so now you will now see why this would have been the best second story of the night, but mm-hmm. I did not do that. Um, and listen, we're all part of that. We just like we we love it. We love arguing politics with people. It's in our DNA as libertarians. Oh yeah, yeah. It's what we like doing. Right. So uh, especially with other libertarians, they write. There's a simple reason this happens. It turns out we respond very differently to what people write than to what they say, even if those things are exactly the same. That's the result of a fascinating new experiment by UC Berkeley and University of Chicago researchers. In the study, 300 subjects read, watched video of, or listened to arguments about such hot-button topics as war, abortion, and country or rap music. Afterwards, they were interviewed about their reactions to the opinions. The general response was probably very familiar to anyone who's ever discussed politics, a broad belief that people who don't agree with you are either too stupid or uncaring to know better. (laughs) But there was a distinct difference between those who had watched or listened to someone speak the words out loud and those who had read the identical words as text. Those who had listened or watched someone say the words were less likely to dismiss the speaker as uninformed or heartless than they were just reading the commenter's words. So I, I think that's really fascinating um so the research suggests the best way for people to disagree with one another or to work out their differences and arrive at a better understanding or compromise is by talking to one another as people used to do at town hall meetings or over the dinner table but now we've taken all this stuff to social media text messages and spoken word is uh increasingly uncommon uh, then they talk about the Russians. Give me a fucking break. Um, so to begin with, you should make a persuasive case for your political opinion or proposed actions. You're better off by doing a short video. So I think that's a really interesting idea. So if you are trying to make a political point, don't do it in written word because people can assign their own cadences and biases to the way that it would sound in their head. Mm-hmm. But if you make a video... Let's say you want to do a Facebook status. Yeah. Turn your phone on, turn on the video camera, turn it around, do a quick selfie video, mm-hmm. and do it that way instead of writing it out. Maybe that's why Snapchat is like, you know, where most people like to communicate on. I don't know. I don't do any politics on Snapchat. Kind of weird. And I'm like one of the most political people you probably, any of you know. Like, I just don't, I don't know, because it's less like. It's just more personal, and you don't want to get your peanut butter and your chocolate and your chocolate and your peanut butter. Okay, Snapchat's not personal for me. I just I get people on there really. I I feel like leaving the wall group because you guys like take up a lot of time on my Snapchat. It teats up, but I I usually get people. I get the I, I don't get arguments about politics. I'm usually, sorry we annoyed you with our friendship. I know. I usually get talking. I usually uh, get arguments with people about like. Rotary engines, engines, car. Yeah, usually car guys. We usually just argue right. back and forth about stupid car things. Like, dang this car! Like, I was complaining about my Subaru the other day, and all the Subaru people in the group just started like, "You're an idiot!" <laughs> 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 I was like, Screw you guys! I was very worried about my bun bun. That that's uh, that that super. My Subaru. Are you a, speaking English? My Subaru's got a bun sticker on the front of it, like a bun coffee maker sticker on it. So I call it bun bun. It's a big rabbit. As Stone says. Another thing is wasting time arguing with a loser on Facebook. You lose self-esteem. Yeah. He's that, right. Yeah. Because, yeah, because when we, someone po- can post a Facebook status, they can mean no, like, harm by it, but you can sit there and go, like, 
screw this jerk. He's talking about me. Yeah. He was not even talking about you. You're not in the same, th- you know, this, you, but you took it. You saw those boots. They the same size, fit your fit your mindset at that time. You took them and marched right in there and started arguing. You know, and it's a weird thing, and I'm just thinking about this. He like, built a whole skit about that, too, everyone. Think about it. People are so nice. Like, in ge- like people are nice. Like, if you have personal interactions with people, I don't it listen, it's sixty six degrees in here, you'll live. We're almost done. <sighs> Harry is the most demanding co host. Like he's the biggest like you think, oh, it's low key wall. He must be low key. No, he has his own chair. He complains about the heat every like every week there's another suggestion. You should do this, you should do this. No, Harry, this is perfection. We've got perfection going on in the studio right now. <laughs> perfect temperature, perfect cats, perfect co hosts. Just live with it buddy uh so people like you go out in the world and you interact with people and they're like hey what's up how are you nice to see you man Mm -hmm. good you go in thanks i want to buy a butterfinger all right how are you you go to like uh you go to a store can i help you with anything no i'm how are you today i'm great how are you like that seems to be the like i'm in the midwest i'm in indianapolis so like everybody here is really nice Mm -hmm. but when i read stuff online i read it defensively (laughs) Like, I read it like, oh, how am I today? How am I today? Like, I know that's part of my personality, but maybe it's not they? just me. Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm the least defensive person when I'm in a group of people. Like, we're just joking and getting along and everything's chill. Like, mm-hmm. I'm never on the defensive at work. I'm never mm-hmm. on the defensive when I'm with my friends, but we get online. It's like, oh, that's what you think? Like, I turn into like a jealous girlfriend. Yep. Yep, one percent of reading boss hugs, you know, Facebook statics. Ah, oh, ah, oh, talking about Belichick, not Liberty, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sports, how dare you? Yeah, there's just something about it where you read, like, you just read everything defensively, and like, if you make a status and then people people start talking on that status, you're like, oh, oh, really? And they're like, dude, chill out. Mm-hmm. That's a joke. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so every we, everybody's sarcastic online. Yeah. And that's why the one cool thing about the wall chat group is that it's like, even if you try to read that something, you're like, hey, man, I'm sorry. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I know you kind of met this way. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Way. But like, yeah, that weird thing about Indiana, like people joke about Indiana not being like that defensive on the phone or like I've, I've, I've had a 30 minute conversation with the wrong phone number before. <laughs> right. You know, so you're like, how are it, you today? It makes me want to like, it, that's when I like, I keep my landline plugged in just because of those wrong phone numbers. We're like Southern no, Canadians. Yeah. Nobody has my landline phone number. I've never given it out. No one has it, but it rings all the time from wrong phone numbers. I pick it up and just talk to people. <laughs> it's fun. It's awesome. Oh, Harry. Get a landline and talk to people. It's fun. I'm re. It's I, some of the, and it, it's old, it's always old boomers. I'm, uh, well, who else uses the phone? So this, the host of NYC's podcast, Note to Self, uh, Manoush Zamordi, mm-hmm. uh, she wrote this book called Bored and Brilliant, How Spacing Out Can Unlock Your Most Productive and Creative Self. And uh, I've really, I'm about a quarter of the way through this. I'm really enjoying it and really inspired to like get off my phone and less screen time. And so if you're, if you're looking for a book that you want to kind of learn about how the, the phone changes your brain and how you interact with the world, 
Bored and brilliant. Really good book so far. Yeah. And like, um, I, I remember seeing your poll about that and I said, yes, it does affect you. Electron- like, not only the smartphone, but just saying electronics. Like, I love taking like electronic free sabbaticals, doing something analog. Yeah. Um, the podcast tech thing talks about like, do something analog once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sovereign Tech even talks about do an analog vacation. I love doing that. I have I don't do that much in the wintertime because it's cold. It's hard to go outside. But during the summertime, I'll spend hours of half my Sunday um, out by out at Fort Bend uh, and just walk around the trails and just do nothing but just stay away off. I don't have off my phone. I don't have an internet connection and just be in the world. Yeah. And it's like I used to think people were kind of stupid sitting out by like a pool just sitting there reading, but after sitting down just doing nothing, just reading like a regular paperback book, I was like, this is the this is the best thing in the world. Yeah, so <laughs> let me pull that poll up. Uh, and, and I do that in the summertime when the pool's open at the apartment complex. I'll go up there and I'll just enjoy reading a book. And, you know, I'll leave my phone at home. Maybe I'll take the Kindle, but, like, the Paperwhite is yeah. not, like, I don't consider the Kindle Paperwhite a, a device. But they basically say in this, in this, uh, this book... That yes, that is a device, and it that your com- your comprehension on actual paper versus a Kindle Paperwhite is much better on an actual book. Yes, which I was fascinated by. It is. All my computer certification books are actual books. All right, well, so been, yeah, I got them all digital, but like I, re- I've every test I've ever passed, first try, I've gotten a real book in my hand. So five thirty yesterday, February fifth, I created a poll. On the We Are Libertarians Facebook page, uh, 615 votes so far. And I asked, since getting a smartphone, has your ability to read significantly diminished? Please clarify in the comments. Speed, and so what I mean by read, so answer this in your car, and you can go vote in the poll if you want, or, or comment, but answer this in your car. Since you got a smartphone, has your ability to read changed? And by that I mean the speed with which you read, the comprehension, the volume of things that you read, higher levels of distraction, and is your free time spent reading? Like, I have noticed, and and we talked about this a couple years ago on the show for the first time, when I really started to notice, like, I have trouble reading a book now. Like, I was a kid who would read a book uh, every uh, day, a book a day in the summertime sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always been a fast reader, but now... I, I have made a point to read more. I'm reading more now in this year than I have ever before because since starting to do you know two shows a week, I've got to be even more prepared and I've got to read more books. Mm-hmm. But it's still a struggle because within two minutes, your brain starts going, wonder if I got a notification. I want some of that serotonin. I want a, I want a dopamine hit. Like you, you, you want that validation of that notification and there's anxiety around not being aware of what's happening on your phone because these little devices are just dopamine. It's like the rat that pushes the button for the food. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book talks about, the Bored and Brilliant book. Just your brain is like you're a rat in a cage hitting a button. And uh, I've really noticed that my the speed of my reading, the comprehension level, reading the same page five times and still not understanding what I'm reading – the amount of things that I can read, the the reading grade level, like I I could read academic texts and get it. Now I struggle to do that, like, and I just don't think I'm alone. 
25% say that yes, they've experienced what I've experienced, and 75% say no out of 615 votes, which surprised me that it's, you know, 25-75. I, I figured it'd be more 50-50 or 75 yes and 25% no. So maybe it is just me, but uh, I don't know. How many, people, how many of those people are honest about themselves or actually uh, noticed? But that's a very good point. I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of people listening right now going, hey, I noticed the same thing. And I think there's going to be more of that trend where everybody goes, I got to do something about this. This thing is killing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a story in the book, this guy had like severe ADD after getting a smartphone. Well, it turns out he'd always been ADD. It just the phone exacerbated all of the symptoms. And maybe that's what's happening to me. Yeah. Like the one thing, like I will give you this because like some people who like struggle with dyslexia. I know there's some of the, a lot of the dyslexic fonts right. on your like well, the, those help people like read and comprehend books yeah better and faster. Uh, I could see that, but yeah, the whole aspect yeah that don't mean because you'll start reading, um, go through a page and you're like, wait a minute, you know, did right. a Facebook notification or you'll get one and you hear it go to go bing and right. you hear it and you go like, what the heck is going on? Da 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 or um, you know, just the the treadmill of it all of like like of life because you want to sit down and read your book, but you know that I just sent this proposal in and someone's going to send me an email back, and I right. need to be able to respond to that email. But I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to want to read a book. I've turned all notifications off on my phone. I have no notifications for anything except text messages, phone calls, and uh, the New York Times, so I can get a breaking news alert because of this. Like if I didn't if I didn't even work if I didn't work for We Are Libertarians like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have that on. Uh, I don't have it on for Facebook Messenger. I do have it on for Snapchat because otherwise I'd never check it. Um, but yeah. and and I found that turning off all my no- notifications helps. Uh, the setting it in another room mm-hmm. for a long period of time really helps. Uh, and you just kind of when it's out of sight, you eventually lose focus on it. Like, if you put it in the bathroom or in the bedroom while you're in the living room and you're trying to read, like, you don't, if it's by your side, you still kind of, your hand gravitates towards it. it But your laziness will not allow you to, like, you go to, you put it in the bathroom next to the toilet. Mm -hmm. You're going to go pee every two to four hours, you know, twice a day, three times a day if you're regular. You know, you'll go in there and you'll have an extended period of time where you can check all your platforms. Yeah. That's kind of what I've 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 been doing when I'm home. Yeah. So yeah, this is the uh, open dyslexic dyslexia font. Yeah, I, I have it on the Kindle, uh, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like I've never been diagnosed with dyslexia, but I've always ever since I found out about the dyslexia font, I love it. It yeah. helps me read so much better. Yeah. But. Uh, all right. So <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing about Lady Doritos yesterday. <laughs> Like, okay, we're in a time where the world is going, you know what, the way that I treat women does need some work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where men, even the most chauvinistic of men, are going, I've never thought about that before. And then Doritos says, hold my beer. And the head, the chief executive of PepsiCo, Indra Noye, uh, told the Freakonomics podcast on January 31st that Doritos, which is owned by PepsiCo, is developing a chip for women. 
As you watch a lot of the young guys eat the chips, they love their Doritos, and they lick their fingers with great glee. And when they reach the bottom of the bag, they pour out the little broken pieces into their mouth because they don't want to lose the taste of that flavor. Women would love to do the same, but they don't. They don't like to crunch too loudly in public, she said. She said. The company's future chip for women will be low crunch, the full taste profile, but not have so much of the flavor stick on the fingers. And how can you put it in a purse? Because women love to carry a snack in their purse. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anything more tone deaf than this. <laughs> like, I mean, she's kind of right. One of the reasons I hate Doritos is that it sticks on your fingers. Not the MSG. Well, that and it makes me feel like garbage after having the it. Carbs. Like we did this thing where uh, the Pringles, you basically uh, take all the Pringles flavors. Yeah. And you can make different concoctions based on it. Mm -hmm. I personally like pickle uh -huh. and the chili lime and, okay. and the honey mustard. And you put three of those together and you eat it. It's great. I've been doing that for two days. I've had 400 Pringles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I get sick every time I eat potato chips. That's rookie level stuff. Okay. Right. right. I can see that you don't around people who smoke a lot of wheat. Um, what you need to get is some Frito corn chips. I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. Oh. I work at a radio station. I'm around nothing but people who smoke weed. I, I doubt that. <laughs> they drug test us to make sure we're positive. <laughs> <laughs> muffins just. So, muffins just poked her head right into the video. It looks like oh, yeah. Mystery oh. Science Theater 3000. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just nothing but. If you're honestly go to the YouTube video to like an hour forty five and look at the muffins. That's hilarious. <laughs> She's looking at the, oh god, it. it's a kaiju attack. No, so funny. Uh, I, but yeah, but, I, I I'm not I'm not a fan of. Uh, I like Doritos, but they make me sick. Yeah, they, uh, I will eat them. It is a guilty pleasure food. I'm a Cooler Ranch type of guy. Uh, I like the Cooler Ranch versus the nacho cheese, but. Um, I understand, like, yeah, I love Pringles, I love the crunch, I love the manly crunch of it, you know, <laughs> I, you know, and that's why I get the Cooler Ranch, because it's blue, it's for men, <laughs> right, and it sticks in your fingers, yeah. but I prefer- I, I much like the blue over the over the nacho. Yeah, the nacho, yeah, the blue, manly ones, and, um, but I'm telling you, what you need to do is get some Frito corn chips, right, mm -hmm. and then you want to get some rainbow sherbet ice cream. Hate Fritos. Oh, get some rainbow shirt ice cream and dip that, or the chili cheese Fritos, and then put, the ch you know, and do a walking taco with it. Nope. Mm. Listen, anything corn-based in chip form, I, I don't like corn products. How are you allowed in Indiana? Let me call, yeah, I've got a- Corn corn tortillas are garbage. Let me call Hokum, get you to port it. Corn tortillas taste like sawdust held together with taint butter. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Flour tortillas all the way. Ah, <sighs> but- <clears throat> Fritos, Fritos are I, gross. Fritos are not gross, okay? How are you allowed in Indiana? I, listen, I don't like soy either. We only have soybeans. And corn. And corn. Let me say, hey, if you live in Indiana, you need to contact Jean Lysing's office. She's the only thing standing between Indiana and industrial hemp. And she needs to hear from you that we want industrialized hemp. We can get three cash crops in Indiana and grow something that I'll, I'll eat. Because maybe I'll start eating hemp instead of corn or soy. He's um, nothing but hemp. Nothing but hemp. I, I listen. If you listen to the potheads, mm -hmm. 
hemp cures everything. Everything. <laughs> like the, if you have pimple, it, my pimple will go away if I just take CBD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Magic drug. But yeah, the Lady Doritos thing. So like, uh, but the thing is, like, there's a lot of gendered things that shouldn't be gendered, and there's some things that are just gendered because of the one gender just or sex just wants something else with their product. Right. Especially like like the whole argument, like wh- what's the biggest difference between a, a man's razor and a women's razor? The gigantic like lotioning strips on it, and the simple fact that you know you'd get more beards if uh, um, a men didn't, you know, if, the, if razors weren't as cheap. Or when it comes down to it, men can shave with a safety razor that's a single blade and get it for ninety nine cents. Right. <laughs> you know, there's not many women that's going to sit there and like shave their legs or areas with a <laughs> safety razor. And you know, and I've been trying to move and move off from off using shaving cream and just using oil, but that freaking hurts. Yeah, I I haven't shaved. I, I trim, but I got the beard now. I've been yeah, I shaved two weeks ago. And honestly, ladies, none of you guys can look, but ladies, go to my Instagram at mm-hmm. c spangle c s p a n g l e. You can see me with my new haircut. It is the best haircut I've ever had in my life. It's, I look good. It's photoshopped. It's totally shopped. It's not shopped. So shopped. All right. What in the world? Muffins. See, Muffins is the shy cat, and mm-hmm. so when people are here, she hides in the other room. Mm-hmm. But she's all over the table today. She's in love with Harry. Do you have a jungle fever? It's <coughs> talking to Harry. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Lady Doritos. All right, so like, yeah, I've seen this it's everywhere. Back to the important things. It was things. huge, Like, like, and it was... Um, funny to watch people comment about it, talk about it, how sexist it was, and you know, and then like you could watch some like the commentary people because some people really wanted to see what they were going to make because this is funny, you know, or wanted to try it anyways, right? Because usually when the chip company goes out and tries to make a different chip or anything, they can make some like the Lay's, you know, choose your own flavor, pick your own flavors, and stuff like that thing. People are just wondering what the heck this is going to be, and also like a crunchless chip. This is going to be disgusting, or you know, because that's half the you know impact. But then there's part of me that was like, hey, could they make a healthy chip? Like this thing's going to be made of corn. It's going to be on a cauliflower or something, right? You know, and if they make it something like that can fit a woman's purse, that means it's going to fit in the back of my backpack. Then you know, and if it doesn't give like the the um the flavor stuff on the on my keyboard and low crunch, dude, I can play this fucking game and I get crap all over my keyboard. That's another reason why I use cheap Dell keyboards because like the keyboard gets disgusting. I don't get throw it away. Dell keyboards are the best. Right. You can beat on them and they're super cheap. And yeah. you can ju- and the Dell monitors, have you ever used a, like a Dell no. the Dell business monitors? You can sit there, they easily got this thing so you can just kick it up so you can go portrait nice. to landscape mode. Very easily. But you know, so like the idea of a potato chip that's low crunch, so you're not getting crunch on the mic or getting like the floaty crap all over your keyboard and your mouse this sounded like a good idea you know if they would just drop the gender term on it so here's what actually they meant what that wasn't real <laughs> yeah, like everything else in society social media ruined the uh, the truth i want my dundee movie you can go i'm sorry all right sorry. <laughs> uh so here's here's what pepsico said today this is on adage.com the reporting on the specific Doritos product for female consumers is inaccurate. We already have Doritos for women. They're called Doritos, and they're enjoyed by millions of people every day. At the same time, we know needs and preferences continue to evolve, and we're always looking for new ways to engage and delight our consumers. Um, like, what? So, all right. What's wrong with Lady Doritos? Let me be a male chauvinistic pig here. 
Uh-oh. Misogyny's coming out. No, no. Distinction is not inequality. And there is a distinct difference between men and women in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about consumer behaviors, they're like if you read Paco, uh, it's called Why We Buy by Paco. I, pa, you, you have a Paco Eldridge. Uh, it's a great book, and this book is just all about the different ways that different people, different cultures, different genders, di- like how we buy stuff. Mm-hmm. And if a company, a capitalistic company, wants to come out with a product geared towards women mm-hmm. or geared toward men, like what's the problem with that? Like we like there are certain like yoga products. Yeah, yoga products are clearly geared towards a female consumer. Sorry, Harry. I uh, didn't mean to trigger you there. But stop you, wearing my yoga pants. To, you know, <laughs> when you go when you go buy Gaiam at the Target, uh-huh. it's you know floral. It's soft colors. It's not you it's know peaceful for yoga, right? But it's geared towards women. They design the package specifically for women. Do we, why do we have a problem with that? I don't. They've picked a target market. Yeah. Because, like, uh, when I had to get my yoga block, I bought myself some yoga blocks and the strap, you know, the black ones. Right. Like, you're, like, super expensive, but the little pink ones, like, like 16 bucks, I'll get these. Right. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's it's marketing. Right. And so if you, you know, for every media outlet I'm involved with, it's all geared towards men. Mm -hmm. Are women encouraged to listen? Of course. Mm -hmm. We love women that listen to the show. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're 30% of our audience. Right. 70% of... Now, the way that I do business is that I don't distinct... I don't try to gear towards a specific anything. I just say exactly what I think, mm-hmm. and men listen, and I don't know why, because I think men are more... There are more libertarian men that are listening to podcasts than women. Does that does that mean that we don't have great fans like Christy Avery and Lisa Crosby and Carly Ernst? Of course not. Yeah. We love them. Mm-hmm. Every girl that I've ever dated in the last four years has been a listener to this show. <laughs> so there's no nothing wrong with with gearing your product towards like we're gender neutral, right? You know, like but if you look at our artwork, you could say we're not gender neutral. It's not necessarily geared towards, you know, if I were a female brand, I wouldn't pick like the fake socialist artwork like i don't know if people notice this but like the the actual podcast art Mm -hmm. is a play on the dear leader stuff it it is the uh hard iconography of socialist communist regimes Mm -hmm. applied to a libertarian podcast because i may be the only one that gets that that's what what it is but it makes me laugh (laughs) makes me laugh i think it's freaking hilarious right uh, but like, I want to change it to be a little softer, a little more open to everyone. Are you going to keep up the moniker of Princess Celestia, like I try to give you in the Discord? No, I'm not into that oh, pony oh, shit. Crap. Well, like, uh, so uh, anyway, so I'm, as we I, go after the lady listeners more for 2018, the We Are Libertarians Ladies Edition that's going to come out this 20, fall of 2018. Wall double ho- L. <laughs> Ladies, I have a beard now, so. So yes, uh, no, I I just like I get like why it's tone deaf. It's stupid. It's like, <laughs> uh, but if they've done research and they have tested a lot of female customers, and mm-hmm. a lot of female customers say, 
I like your product, but I would buy more of your product if it weren't as gross on my hands mm-hmm. and you didn't look like an animal when you eat it. Because let's face it, like those triangles for the Doritos are really big. And like if you're, if you're, like when you're trying to stuff them in your mouth and you're like trying to open your mouth wide, like I, I don't, I look, I look crazy when I eat Doritos. Hmm. That's nice. You know? I like, like Doritos because they're triangle shaped and they look like mini rotaries, but. Like, guys are more willing to be gross. We're just grosser. And so women, I, you know, so I look at it and I go, what is really at the end of the day wrong with this? Like, smaller chips, less crunch, less dust. We sell 10% more Doritos. Great. Yeah. Um, I, I Yeah. I understand what they're saying. I really wish they did take that and made it more, like, less, like, to gender. Like, because, like, like I said, like, you know, p- online t- gamers would love this thing especially like uh even like the console um peasants with their their controllers are outrageously expensive for some reason you know i think they would love to have like a nice you know set because we've got your headset on there so the mic's right here and you're crunch 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 right it's freaking annoying so i think like i like that's why i said i love the idea of it um when i'd go to the store and buy and pick up a bag of that said ladies doritos yes i don't care yeah, me neither. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'd probably like the Lady Doritos better. Yeah, yeah. But that's why you shouldn't call them Lady Doritos. Right. That that was just something the internet gave them, which is funny. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's the other thing about it that it was, the internet took kind of took a thing of sprawl. Right, and and again because it starts with all the Carrie Bradshaws and Hunter S. Thompsons that make twenty thousand dollars while living in New York City, working part time for clickbait mills mm-hmm. that that churn out our culture now. And so they all jumped on it instead of sitting there going, you know what, capitalism isn't a bad thing. Maybe this is a response to the market. Well, they wouldn't say that because they hate capitalism. Correct. Yeah. So, all right, let's start wrapping up. Harry, final thoughts for this episode. Final thoughts. Um, uh, just like this and all stories that are going through, make sure you do, if you worry about something or the title is too clickbaity or too one-sided or you feel good, it's a good idea to sit on a story for less than 12, uh, for a little bit more than 12 hours and just yeah. let, let a story mule around before you sit there and go and share it. I think a lot of the tenants of uh, We Libertarians talks about, like, be careful what you do share and look around. Um, for it and it's um, the other thing with it if you do um, Reinhold and I talked about this after low-key wall last Wednesday like Another good thing is if you do have someone that does accidentally share something that's like clickbaity or that somebody does show like a like negative advertisement or something, talk like that, give that person also, when you do go to talk to that person about it, give them space to also walk that back. Embarrassing or attacking somebody because they probably, A, didn't know too, too much in a hurry, you know, because they just hit it real quick or, you know, and the thing is some people share stuff on their Facebook wall, not for you. They share it for themselves so they can find it, so they can easily find something later right not necessarily like this is what i totally believe that's not why and another reason why they share that you know uh, so be careful how you go after people give people the ability to walk something back and have that open discussion with them i wish i would have recorded this whole two-hour conversation i had with ryan Hill after low-key wall which makes which talking about the wall we are the discord channel like we thought about just doing like an after show for low-key wall just hanging out but afterwards but i'm still trying to work that out with my wife you know, <laughs> she you know she base she barely likes me like you know she kind of likes it doing me but you know two days in a row last week <laughs> got her a little upset but um at least this way she gets you out of the house yeah on Tuesday I leave you know right. sort of and then you know 
instead of just like, nope, this is where I'm at here, right here. And and since it's like I take care of Gunther all day and study while I'm in, I'm in the exact same spot I'm at. So all the good stuff, the easy stuff to take care of Gunther are right where my desk are. Right. All the toys, everything's right there. So it's, everything's an easy reach. So I can understand her like, you know, simple, you know, her issues with it. So like a lot of people even got to see Gunther a little bit in the background of you know, the swing in that last Aww. episode, you know, because grandma uh, b- bought her a new swing. Nice. Because she heard the other one broke. And uh, I was getting ready to take it apart and fix it, and Grandma just said, "I bought you another one." So yeah, I didn't have to go fix it. Um, so yeah, get me some people to walk it back. Please come over to the Wall Discord. We're also tomorrow on Twitch. We're gonna do low key wall. I'm glad we didn't have to cover that lowbrow episode. That's way too low for the basement of wall. Which what what was it? The Lady Dorito thing. I'm glad we didn't have to cover that on low key <laughs> wall. Um, I think tomorrow I may like trying to catch up because I missed an anniversary uh, last January. I'm so busy about this, but I like to talk about the, the people, and I totally missed it. It's um, the anniversary of um, Aaron Swartz. I like to. Um, if you don't know who Aaron Swartz is, turn it into low key wall tomorrow, and I will talk your head full of about Aaron Swartz. And if you don't know who Aaron Swartz is, you use a technology that he created. To listen to this podcast, you know, you use a lot of different things that he helped or helped build and stuff like that. And his death and his entire story, his life is very important. Yep. Uh, and you should uh, cover the partner of his that just committed suicide as well. Yes. Quote unquote suicide. Yeah, he, he suicided. Yeah. Uh, all right. So for my part, for my final thought. Want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Brandon, Luke, Christy, Avery, Jason, Doolittle, and uh, Craig DaCosta for being $100 a month Patreon subscribers. Uh, you are awesome, and you guys help make this go around. Everybody that donates on Patreon helps so much. Like, you have no idea <laughs> how much that uh, those Patreon donations help this program. I have been able to do so many cool things. I've got a couple cool things that I'm working on right now that I'm only able to do because I have the money to do it. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, In addition to that, one of those things is that I'm going to go to LibertyCon and I'm going to go to the National Libertarian Convention. Those two are pretty much locked up and uh, almost ready to go. LibertyCon is the SFL event in Washington, D.C., uh, used to be ISF, IS, International, International <laughs> Students for Liberty Conference. Uh, so now it's called LibertyCon. It's uh, the first weekend in March in Washington, D.C. Uh, they, they asked us to come out and be part of Radio Row, so we're going to go. And it should be great exposure for the podcast. If you are a listener, please uh, check me out on Radio Row. Look, look me up. Uh, I'll try and set up maybe an event so we can all get together and meet. Uh, all, all as if you're a listener to the program, hit hit me up too uh, beforehand. Send me an e- uh, an email at editor at weirdlibertarians.com, a Facebook message, message to the Facebook page, a tweet, whatever, and let me know you're going to be there or at the Libertarian Convention, and then we can put together some sort of event where we all can get together and chat. So looking forward to seeing everybody and taking my very first trip uh, as media for we are libertarians yep. so very exciting uh, and if you want to help offset the cost because there is a lot of cost in the travel the room the materials and all that good stuff uh that is uh you can help offset those costs if those tax checks came in 
and you want to give some of that uh, stolen money that you got back to help offset these travels, then please, I would be grateful. It would really help me out. Uh, that is wearelibertarians.com. Scroll to the bottom, and the one-time PayPal donation button is there. If you can't, at least think about subscribing on Patreon. Because then, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, twenty-five bucks a month, hundred bucks a month, you get something out of it, and you're going to continue to support this program. So, we thank you so much for being a part of our work. Uh, if if you don't subscribe, you're very dear to us. Uh, there are an average of over seven thousand people that listen in an episode. Within the first twelve hours of posting an episode, we have two thousand downloads. Which, <laughs> which, I know, it, it, I looked at, I couldn't, I kept refreshing, I was like, this has a, this is a mistake. Uh, 2,000 downloads is what we were doing in early 2016, so we are, it's four times that bigger now, it's just amazing, uh, we keep growing a ton, and you guys are a big part of that. If you listen, if you're downloading, we thank you so much for downloading, please keep sharing with friends, tell people about the podcast. We don't have an advertising budget. Uh, we put it all into some other stuff. I, I will occasionally advertise on Facebook, but I don't see a lot of uh, growth out of advertising. What I find the growth, it comes from adding on services a lot of times. So things like having We Are Libertarians Radio have a presence on TuneIn, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that cost about a hundred bucks a month, and we you know help grow that way. So. Adding services, that's really better than advertising for us, so that's why we do it. So the best way to advertise is, A, be searchable wherever people search, and B, have people tell their friends. Uh, and I love hearing stories about, yeah, I was talking to this person, and then they said, hey, did you hear this thing on We Are Libertarians? Really love that. So really uh, affirms what we're doing here. So. Keep spreading the word. It's an election year. It's going to be super important that you spread the word as people want to know what the heck is going on in a, in just a reasonable way. <laughs> and I think we provide that. So please, would appreciate your help. So uh, Thursday, we will talk about gerrymandering, Aaron Schwartz tomorrow on Low Key Wall. And until Friday, we will see you then. Until then, uh, see, you weren't, we haven't seen each other since this happened, but, uh, I, I said the new catchphrase in front of Galt and Creighton. Ooh. And they go, what is that bullshit? Oh, wow. <laughs> and they go, what happened to the old catchphrase? And I was like, I just didn't want to do it anymore because mm-hmm. this is about as good as I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get better. I'm like, no, you're going back to the uh, – so nah, I'm just going to start. I, I, it's, it's nice when you have friends and they just make fun of you to your face and go, mm-hmm. you, you sound ridiculous. <laughs> so so until next week we'll see you then thank you for listening to the we are libertarians network get our other shows at we are libertarians.com